Welcome to the Play Well for Life podcast. Join us as we discuss the lost art of parenting through play and how parents and grandparents can use games to build better relationships with their kids. For more information on how we can help, please visit playwellforlife.com. Hi everyone, great to be here again today. So I'm really excited to have Stacey Can here, founder of Parenting in Mind, an organization that provides mental wellbeing support and help to parents. She also runs Daisy First Aid, which is a great initiative training parents in first aid from pregnancy right up until 12 years old. So hi Stacey, it's so fantastic to have you here today. Really excited to talk with you, to hear about the great work you do. So to start with, can you just tell us a little bit about how you've ended up doing what you're doing. Oh, hi, Sarah. It's really fantastic to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so how did I end up here? I, I guess for years um, after after my daughter was born, um, I retrained. I couldn't go back to the corporate world and it just didn't really work for me. I had a huge kind of um, issue with my mental health, wasn't very supported. So I retrained um, and bought a franchise of Daisy First Aid where I spent years, I've, I've trained about 7,000 parents over the last five and a half years in how to save their little one's life, what to look out for, um, and empower them with confidence from a real emergency situation, um, from you know things like you know, baby stops breathing, child chokes, head injuries, all of that kind of stuff. So I've really seen firsthand that kind of the, the parent kind of approach as another parent and how that benefits them and then um i got three children so that was after my daughter was born i've got a four-year-old twin boys as well and after they were born i was still running daisy first aid um and, and absolutely loving it but i really struggled with my mental health again and what i found was that there was a real kind of uh lack of support that i needed um because i wasn't diagnosed with a you know specific illness so I wasn't diagnosed with postpartum depression or anything like that but I had a lot of the symptoms um, and so as I kind of come out the other side of it with all of my knowledge of already teaching parents um, and kind of having access to kind of seeing what they struggled with and what their fears and anxieties were and off the back of my own experience I did some uh, mental health training um, so I qualified as a mental health first aid instructor but I didn't want to just teach corporate first aid what I wanted to do was really tailor it towards the parenting sector so I wrote um, a whole kind of workshop and and founded parenting in mind really to help with that messy middle bit between you know baby blues that people expect to face you know and then we've got the, the complete other end of it where we've got postnatal um, and postpartum depression and anxiety and psychosis but it's that bit in the middle where you know as a parent you you don't really get told to expect to have issues with your well-being or kind of changes in your mental health and yet actually we know that about one in five women at some point between pregnancy and, and baby's first year will have those symptoms um, and 40 percent of dads just under 40 percent of dads also worry about their mental health so for me it was kind of a logical step really based on what I'd experienced and, and kind of what I've been doing work-wise to then go okay well let's try and prepare parents for mental well-being challenges as well. Nice. And what tell tell me more about about that that middle bit as you describe it. The messy middle, I like to call it. Oh <laughs> <middle>, yes. <laughs> it's, that, it's that kind of. I think as 
as a new parent, you're kind of almost kind of, you know, ribbed and told, you know, you'll get the baby blues and you'll feel a bit down and you might feel a bit tearful. And we're getting better about talking about things like, you know, you might not feel how you expected because we're so conditioned right from childhood with all the, the things that we watch on TV and the movies that, you know, you're going to, you know, fall pregnant, have a baby, it's going to be an easy journey, the birth's going to be easy, and then you're just going to love your baby. And of course, we know that actually for so many people, they struggle with issues with fertility, um, and they struggle with bonding with their baby. And, you know, there's so much more to it mm. than we're given from an expectation point of view. So unfortunately, very often, our expectations when we become a new parent are just not met, because we're expecting this different journey or this different feeling. And then because nobody really talks about that we are getting better at talking about self-care but nobody really talks about those really dark days when actually you can't get out of bed but you have to because you've got a baby to look after or the isolation that you feel or the relationship issues you know these are things that you know when you're talking to an expectant parent you avoid saying because you don't want to take that kind of shine off of this expectant you know journey that they're about to go on. And what I really noticed was I'd go to these um, parenting events in retail as Daisy First Aid and I'd watch these kind of parents walking around the store, picking up items that they were going to put in their nursery and thinking about hypnobirthing and swimming lessons and, and first aid classes. But nobody was actually telling them that, you know, by the way, you might struggle with your well-being because we all have mental health it's on a continuum Some, sometimes we're good sometimes we're not so good but generally we're somewhere in the middle and the chemical balances um, when we have a baby but that both affect men and women the, the neurological side of it um, and the physicality of being a parent and those expectations that I talk about they can lead us to have really dark times and no one's talking about it and that that's the bit that I refer to kind of that messy middle bit mm. where it's more serious than you know you're feeling a bit emotional it's not as serious as the worst things that you google when you start to look at these symptoms and try and diagnose yourself you know parenting in mind is not about diagnosing yourself it's about giving people the opportunity to realize that if they're doing this course before they have their baby that they might feel like you know some issues where they might feel a bit down you know they might have low moods they might be over anxious at times they might struggle with overwhelm um, sleep deprivation and all of these things contribute to poor mental well-being but if we catch a bit like first aid, if we catch it early, then we can recognise it and do something about it. So it's a well-being focus that I really wanted to put on it rather than looking at saying to parents, you might have um, mental health issues because you're a parent. That's not true. But you might find that actually you flip a little bit between up and down at times of being really anxious or having panic attacks or suffering with post-traumatic um, stress um, disorder if you've had a traumatic birth and actually it's all normal so we're all about the normalization of you might have some of these feelings when is it a problem when do you need to then get signposted to help and what can you do to help yourself mm. amazing and it sounds like as well it's actually just just allowing that space to talk about it and people to be honest about you know it isn't all rosy and yeah flowers and sunshine <laughs> yeah sometimes it is and that's amazing that wasn't my experience personally and like I'm very open on the course and I talk a lot about my own experience as well you know it, it's peer driven so it's not about you know a psychologist or a therapist 
telling you what's going to happen or what's not going to happen it's about this open conversation and getting couples if they're if they're on together to kind of have those conversations well how will we cope with that or you know actually I just need you to listen rather than fix me and we have all these really interesting conversations but they're conversations that unfortunately we're not yet just having automatically Mm. and so tell us more about specifically what parenting in mind offers Oh, my baby. <laughs> it's like my fifth baby at this stage because <laughs> uh, I've got like two, two work babies. But yeah, so Parenting in Mind really offers um, normalisation for these things that I've talked about. So I'm very good on our social media channels about, you know, talking about our top tips. And there's a lot of advice given through kind of the social media on sleep deprivation and, you know, how to make parenting friends and why it's important and all these things you'd expect around parenting. But what Parenting in Mind really offers um, is, uh, is a two and a half hour workshop um, which can be tailored if it's for a private group, but generally we do it as an open public group. It's all confidential, so it's a safe place to talk um, and it's all guided through me. So what we do is we talk about why new parents are potentially more vulnerable to mental wellbeing issues those listening skills and how to talk about mental health which actually as a couple uh, I think Prince Harry referenced it in one of his talks you know as a a new parent your other half comes to you and says I feel like this and then you as the partner go oh don't know what to do with that so it's about opening those conversations and what to do if your partner opens up to you and then we really focus in parenting on mind on how to cope with overwhelm some practical coping strategies like breathing exercises and what I've done is I've kind of taken a blended approach of mindfulness um, and some aspects of cognitive behavioral therapy and talking so these are all the the three kind of proven areas to help with mental well-being and blended them into usable techniques that people can learn without a referral um, because that can also be a barrier kind of waiting for a referral into these these kind of help sessions but so yeah you come away from our workshop with Um, about four different techniques to cope for being in that moment of fight or flight when you're completely overwhelmed and what you do about it how can you bring yourself down you know so that it doesn't escalate up to a panic attack how to um, deal with worries as well worry management you know if we can be effective in managing our worries and understanding them because it's not practical is it to say oh just don't worry have no worries at all worries you know that's just not a good not a good strategy so okay we're going to have time to worry so um again giving two or three different techniques that you can use for managing and controlling your worries so that they don't escalate and then you become overwhelmed um we were, my, my kind of favorite my two favorite parts of the session is talking about a plan for sleep deprivation because it's going to happen at some stage and it changes me as a person I know that much um, yeah I think it changes everyone <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm a completely different person if I've had interrupted sleep versus if I've done all right so you know we know it's going to happen let's plan for it and the same with rubbish days as well so my absolute favorite is okay you're going to have a rubbish day at some point we all have a rubbish day what's your plan what are you going to give yourself permission to do or you know because we're getting really good about talking about self-care and things like that Um, we're not so good at actually giving ourselves permission or each other permission again it comes back to these expectations of well you know I've got a baby I'm supposed to cope I'm off work I'm supposed to be doing this 
and actually that's all your own expectation putting on yourself so what are you going to give yourself permission to release so basically people leave out what, what we give people in I say we what I give people in the session is some really practical coping skills that they can use in any situation at any time and they can pick the ones that resonate for them because not everything's going to resonate with everybody. Um, and then what we do for the second half of the session is we construct a personalised wellbeing plan. So you leave the session with, you know, well, what are my benchmarks as behaviour? How do I know that me or my partner are stressed out? What can we do about it? What are we going to do if we have a rubbish day? So you leave with actual, rather than just having the advice and kind of sitting on it, you actually leave with a, a physical plan that you can stick on the fridge and go right I'm having a rubbish day what do I need to do <laughs> nice that sounds amazing because I think it is it's those really practical steps um and sort of preparing in advance for when it's bad because I know when uh for my myself when my well-being is low that's the worst time for me to try and figure out what it is I'm meant to do to look after myself <laughs> absolutely absolutely and this is the thing I'm a really big advocate of having a plan because if you've got the plan you've already done the thinking so yeah when you are kind of feeling a bit on a bit of a low ebb you know your your brain isn't necessarily going to function in the same way you can't just say oh I'm just going to stop worrying and I'm going to put my feet up you know you kind of need to have planned that in advance so that your brain allows you to do it so yeah and I think it's also really important what you're saying about you know we're all really affected by sleep deprivation. And if it's a two parent household, actually it's two people with sleep deprivation and our expectations of each other. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And you know, I read something really interesting um, when I was doing my research that uh, as a new parent in particular, a new parent really carries you from pregnancy up to about you know, children being, well, my, my oldest is seven, I still feel like a new parent really. But um, <laughs> you both feel like you're doing about 80% of the workload. And then you get resentful because why are you doing the 80%? What's the other person doing? But you both feel like that, but you don't communicate it. But you both are doing that much work. <laughs> That's really good. Yes, those sources of resentment. <laughs> so what how how have you been doing the courses um during the pandemic? You know, have they been online? How have you found that? You know what actually I'm I'm quite lucky because they've all been online um and although I think I would have much preferred to be face to face in a way it's been a blessing because I've been able to reach people that physically I wouldn't have been able to to get on the courses so in a way it's given me a much wider audience which is brilliant um and I say I'm lucky because um when the pandemic hit um, with my experience as Daisy first age and we were going out doing physical classes and within that first week of going into lockdown we'd actually shifted all of our classes to online um, so before having children my background was um, marketing and online and, and digital so I've always been quite comfortable in the digital space although not comfortable seeing myself <laughs> <laughs> one of the biggest challenges actually very strange to get your head around that um but yeah so so when I was setting up the parenting in my workshops I did a pilot um as an online class I did it over three sessions originally like broken down because I didn't want to overload people um and actually my research showed that kind of doing it in one longer session with a couple of breaks was better so really kind of was able to use the video delivery you know, to, to really kind of fine tune what that should be for parents and what they were comfortable with and it then also means that you know they haven't got to find a babysitter because they can be at home with their baby and I think the advantage of talking about your own well-being and mental health when you're sat in your own front room is you are more naturally relaxed you can think about things in terms of how they actually play out mm. rather than sitting in a hall for example in a venue that you don't know with a stranger 
and trying to put yourself in that position you can literally look around the room and go, well actually you know sometimes I feel like this and this so I think probably going forward I will start to offer face-to-face eventually but I think we'll, we'll, we'll always stay on on online as well because it mm. it's easier for people I think to to kind of open up which surprised me I thought it would be the opposite but but no I think it's actually easier for people to open up and and they've all gotten used to being on zoom and you know it's kind of become normal (laughs) and what do you find are the sort of key themes that come up that people struggle with sleep definitely (laughs) like absolutely the thing that um that we spend a lot of time talking about in class actually very commonly is changes in relationship and changes in identity so you know you know that when you have a child you become a parent nobody can prepare you for that because you know as much as you can read all the books and stuff like that you don't know how you're going to feel um but this not always the strain but the change in how people feel within a relationship um is what is is the most commonly talked about and coping strategies as well understanding each other you know if you've had a baby with somebody chances are they know you pretty well yeah maybe um and you trust them pretty good so you know they they probably know you better than anybody else at that period of time and yet when you have a baby you know your coping strategies become very different um so like for for um a couple that i spoke to recently you know he worked night shifts and patterns and and but he needed to unwind and then he stuck in the house she was um on the front line and trying to deal with that and they've got the baby in the middle and so they both kind of almost become this point where you're trying to fight against each other to get that little bit of time for yourself rather than working together and that that how to navigate through that and understanding that actually you're not against each other you are a team and how can you work together and how can you talk about things you know those are kind of probably the most significant that and overwhelm those moments where baby's crying and the oven's beeping and the door's knocking and the phone's ringing and you just want (laughs) to like literally hide away um so those are probably the two most common aspects Mm. yeah and I think it's that thing isn't it that there's like a third person has come into this relationship of two and that's actually a really big deal yeah it is it's a real game changer and again you know it might be that it's planned for and you've struggled to be there and then there's this huge amount of guilt attached to then suddenly feeling like hang on a minute everything's changed you know I very naively when I have my daughter thought I should just get into our lives and we'll just carry on and of course that didn't happen (laughs) so yeah trying to contend with this third person in in the relationship as much as that you're now a family unit is it's mega challenging absolutely Mm. And what's, what are your tips for, because I really heard with the relationship, it's about learning to talk, learning to work together a team. What are your tips for those overwhelm moments? Giving yourself a break is the, probably the best advice, but it's also the hardest one to follow. So I think in terms of hitting that overwhelm, if you can try to come back to the present moment. So I, I meditate and I realise that not everybody does that. And that sometimes mindfulness can be a bit of a weird concept, but if you can just bring yourself back into exactly where you are, try to remember that although you're feeling a bit out of control or overwhelmed or like you want to run away it's that fight or flight it's kind of you're ready to fight or you're ready to run away although all of that's going on that is a natural chemical reaction in your body so although you're feeling like you can't cope you want to run away you want to hide you want to fight those feelings are actually just the tiniest fraction of your brain activity overall if you can 
get to a stage where you can rationalize and recognize that that will help you out massively because it makes you realize that although you are overwhelmed in that moment you can cope you can cope with everything because you have to mainly as a parent but but because you know this situation has escalated let's come back down off the escalation and let's just rationalize I'm in the present moment although I'm feeling like you know everything's on top of me actually it's not I'm in control so if you can kind of get yourself to that point and also you know practice whatever works for you for me it's breathing you know I have to like go into a place where I can control my breathing to stop me from feeling like I'm going to breathe fire and go crazy Um, (laughs) (laughs) you know it happens doesn't it um so yeah so to kind of just control your breathing because we breathe all the time all day long we don't have to practice that but when you're really stressed and really overwhelmed your breathing gets short shallow because your body's trying to take in more oxygen to prepare you for that fight that you think you're going to have and of course we've got nothing to do with that because we're not really going to have a fight or we're not really going to run away so trying to get a handle on deeper breathing again it, it anchors you back to the present moment so it stops you worrying about all these other things that are going on in your head and allows you to just focus on you know, I can cope, I am all right. Mm. Nice. Yeah, and I'm, I'm a big, big advocate of, you know, finding what works for you. And as you say, some people find mindfulness a bit weird. And I think that's why in mindfulness training, you start off by, you know, chewing a raisin or washing up, you know, it's actually, mindfulness is just about focusing on what you're doing there and then and really grounding, you know, it can be any activity. Um, even playing Tetris, in fact. Tetris has been scientifically shown to be very, very good for stress reduction. <laughs> I'll absolutely advocate that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, actually, like, when I talk to parents, uh, you know, new parents, couples, one of the biggest bugbears, you know, is that you, you both want to try and get time away from yourselves. And maybe one of you wants to read a book and the other one wants to play games console. You know, it, it took me a long time to realise that, you know, my other my other half kind of method of escape was to go into a game and to be able to just switch off from everything around him and just be immersed in this different world and you know you see it in couples where they're like you know all he wants to do is do that and I don't understand it I need him here with me and actually he needs to escape he needs that present kind of moment where he's not in all of the stress or she's not in all of the stress so gaming actually does play quite a big part of you know a lot of people's stress relief so it's really important yeah and so what motivates and inspires you oh inspires and motivates my kids generally motivate me (laughs) Um, (laughs) in a good way or a bad way (laughs) both both, bless them no to be fair I, I think I've always been a very driven person um and I had a very successful corporate career that I loved and I never envisaged myself doing anything else but since having children my drive has changed massively to to be more um to spend my time helping people which I don't really like to say out loud because it sounds really like oh I want to help people but genuinely I think like the compassion that I've seen in people since having you know my children and doing what I do in terms of helping and teaching other parents you can't there's no other better feeling than kind of feeling like you've helped somebody but truly helped them not just like you know help them across the road or whatever um and so for me the drive there is very much that I want to continue to help people not feel how I felt when I was at my worst um and from a first aid point of view you know we had a situation with my my son when when the twins were born where he was very very ill and I was so grateful to have had the help around 
around me, but also the knowledge that helped me spot some of the things going on early because it made a big difference from a mental health point of view. The thing that really drives me is, and the reason I juggle both as well, by the way, because I'm passionate about both, um, from the mental health point of view, you know, parenting in mind was really founded out of a complete lack of being able to find anything else that did this for other people. I could find loads of training online for medical professionals dealing with the perinatal, you know, um, support period. I couldn't find anything for parents. And I think that if you teach parents or the people who need it, some of the skills, it puts them in a much better place to either go and get the help that they need or be able to kind of survive it a bit, you know, without all the trauma that I had at the time. And if I can do that for even a handful of people, that's that's my motivation really. Mm, amazing. And and what are the particular challenges you face? So you said you had a corporate career. I imagine what you do now is very different to that. So what what are the challenges you face in your work? Time. <laughs> <laughs> time and juggling. Um, I think it took me a long time being self-employed to realise that actually what I thrived on was juggling um, and that there's never going to be enough time. So the acceptance, the acceptance of kind of saying to myself, well, I, I'll do what I can um, and being very goal focused. I, I've always got a goal and, and you know, I, I mentor other people and I teach them, you know, have a goal in mind and work towards it. But I think probably the biggest challenge is trying to separate very often that kind of uh, that work side and the drive to then put those that same amount of energy into the parenting and you know making sure that I'm the best that I can be for my kids you know I don't for a second teach these courses and say oh yeah I've got it all sewn up I know what I'm doing I still go through moments where I'm completely overwhelmed and so the challenge there for me is always going to be um, possibly balance but I think actually more more realistically blending blending the two together so that it's not kind of a separate life of in one pocket I'm a, a mom and in another pocket I'm, I work um, and when you're in corporate life it's it's much easier to kind of switch the blackberry off and you know be off of work and, and I'm, I'm not in the office but I work I'm based from my home as most people are with the pandemic um, so to have that separation and the balance and, and the blend of work and fulfilling what I want to fulfill but being able to give my kids what they need as well is probably the, mm. the biggest challenge and how over the last year what have what have you learned that's helping you manage that better not for a moment saying necessarily well but managing it better <laughs> i like better better is good I, I think in terms of uh with the kids what i've really learned is that they are their own people and they are very willful people <laughs> my, my little people are very willful so it's learning to pick the battles in terms of um how to support them uh and when to be the kind of the parent who comes down and says oh, we're not doing that or giving them giving them good boundaries um and i guess also in giving myself those boundaries as well that trying to be better at everything in a pandemic is hard because we're all learning um and i think what we did as a family very early on was we we kind of recognised that the situation didn't have a defined end date. As much as, you know, originally it was only going to be 12 weeks of lockdown and all the rest of it, we'd had... Those other... were the days. I know, do you remember? But we recognised very early on, we'd had similar experience um, when my son was ill, where he, you know, we, every day was going to be a different day. And it was, every day was like, is it today? Is it? So we kind of 
as a family learned acceptance very early on to just kind of get on with it and like I said set those boundaries when they need to be there allow you know the kids to do what they need to do or feel that they need to do um and and accept that everyone has a good day and a bad day and if it's a bad day it doesn't mean that tomorrow is going to be a bad day tomorrow might be a completely different day it might be really good or really bad but each day is in isolation and, and so to take the pressure off of when is it going to end and I don't like this and switch that to being accepting and, and just trying to balance all of the personalities in the house mm. helped me work better <laughs> as a person <laughs> <laughs> and what what role do you think play has in sort of bonding parents and children together I, I think it's a children learn through play that's proven and I think that what's been really interesting um with the kids at different stages so my four-year-olds are very much kind of role play and immersive and things like that and they've got their little action figures whereas my daughter is very much kind of like her play is almost pretend play on a very different level where she kind of pretends to be in these grown-up situations and things like that and to be able to engage with you know children on those different age levels and um, and bond with them through play has been huge. I think it has a huge role to play, whether it's sitting down doing a puzzle um, or, you know, like my boys, we've got um, PlayStation games that they like to play, like kids' ones. And they watching them develop through those, those um, moments of play where they're developing their hand-eye coordination and their communication with each other. And then us being involved in that world with them, it gives us that common ground. I think that's been huge. But then like I say, like, you know, getting out a board game, um and learning the turn taking and and all of that has, has been mega but then I flipped that with my daughter who's seven and watching her homeschool and helping her homeschool and the use of play there was quite eye-opening actually you know she has a, a maths game that she likes to play she's got a reading game that she likes to play and um watching them absorb all this information that they've learned in their various different kind of gaming aspects but but being there alongside them doing it with them it meant that it wasn't like my daughter doing homeschooling and learning and then kind of reporting back to us you know we felt like we were actually involved and I think she got more out of it that way mm. I, I learned a huge amount <laughs> so yeah so I think it's got a, a massive massive role to play because that's it's it gives you common ground I think if nothing else mm. and in your in your work when you think so both 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 companies separately so daisy first aid and also parenting in mind what are the sort of proudest stories or moments or memories you've got oh hard um I, I, from from a daisy point of view first of all um some very humbling moments have come out of Daisy um and I've been fortunate enough to to be contacted by people that I've trained and said you know what this happened and I saved a life and that's always mega like mega mega proud um knowing that my training my company's training have actually gone on and saved a life is, is possibly the proudest that you could ever be from a work point of view I think um and also I went through obviously a lot of mental health struggles before setting up parenting in mind as Daisy I won a couple of awards um nationally recognized awards where um 
partly because I struggled for adversity and, and carried on helping people. So I was recognised for that. Um, and I was franchisee of the year across the country for all of the different franchise businesses. And that was a huge proud moment was that, that validation of um, the external validation that you don't really get when you're self-employed to say, yeah, <laughs> you know, we recognise what you've done and, and what you've done is amazing because it's hard to say that about yourself. I'm just so, I find it so hard to be like, oh, I did this amazing thing. So from Daisy, you know, without being cheesy, you know, knowing that my training has gone on and saved lives um, and, and that external recognition for the award definitely um, for parenting in mind very different actually it's at a very different stage of the business but um, one course that I did I always get lovely feedback after the course so you know we were in this tight spot the training helped us do this that and the other um, and I had uh, an email after one of the courses um, I won't go into huge detail on but they were in a very make or break situation in their relationship they had a huge amount of struggles that they weren't expecting with their their child um and the email that came back was such a proud moment it made me cry I was I was so proud of something that I'd created had helped this family unit because although I trained the mum and the dad obviously that has the knock-on effect then of, of the children as well um but yeah having helped this family unit so much was it is those moments though isn't it I call them the warm fuzzies where you get yeah you get that email and you know your eyes prick with tears and you think wow it's really really made a difference to somebody um yeah oh amazing so um what advice can you give to any parents that might be struggling with their mental well-being at the moment uh I, I think Firstly, to know that you're you're not on your own, as much as you might be looking at other people that you know really well, oh, they're coping or they're not, you know, everyone has mental health. So don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid that it makes you a bad person or a bad parent. And the fact that you're, you're recognising it and worrying it actually makes you a really good parent. Um, so don't be afraid uh, and try to talk whether it's to a medical professional or to your other half or to, to a family member or a friend or even just a support number and it's a stranger. Sometimes it's so much easier to open up to a stranger because they are not judging. You don't feel that they're judging, you know, the personal situation or you haven't got to be careful about what you say about that person or that person because it doesn't ever go back to them. So sometimes actually just picking up the phone and having a chat with, you know, one of the, the many helplines. Talk. You know, it doesn't matter who to but talk because a lot of the time when we sit there feeling like we're on our own with it and we're not going to cope with it the very act of getting it out actually makes us realize that number one it's probably not as bad as you think it is and this is coming from someone who's had suicidal and harmful thoughts you know as soon as you get those things out actually it's a it's a release that you don't know is going to be there so talk um and don't be afraid to you know seek professional advice they won't you know it doesn't put your family at harm no one's going to try and take your children away from you and all of these things are self-stigma that we pin on ourselves and it puts more pressure on us so if you're not alone don't be afraid and talk to somebody anyone anyone at all hmm. great advice um, so what's your vision for parent mental health in five years time? Ah, I love this question. So I, I think for me personally, I would love to sit back in five years time 
and be much closer to a point where anyone who is having um, a baby and who's pregnant or going through the adoption process or fostering or anything like that, anyone who's going to have a baby or a child suddenly come into their life, by default, also considers that there will be changes to their well-being and looks at how they can help themselves. So I guess in, in many respects, much like with, um, with the first aid stuff, you know, 10 years ago, parents didn't go and do a first aid course. Um, they didn't have a clue that you could go and do a first aid course 10 years ago just for parenting. And now actually what I've seen as the industry's grown is that it's almost become one of those checklist things. You know, I need to learn first aid before I have my baby. I would love in five or even 10 years time for, for parents to be in that position, but about their mental health as well. I think that would be amazing. Nice. Oh, well, Stacey, it's been so fantastic talking to you and just... Yeah, you're doing such incredible work, both with the first aid and also the mental well-being. I just, yeah, it's been an absolute privilege talking to you today and hearing more about what you do. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our products and how to get involved in this podcast, please visit playwellforlife.com.